London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM for the next couple of hours. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you as we will attempt to talk as much sports as we possibly can uh, in the next couple of hours. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today, in about 20 minutes or so, we're going to start off with one of our regulars uh, every Wednesday, Bill Bender from the Sporting News joins us uh, during the college football season and as we get closer to that the frequency of Bill's visits get uh, ratchet up and up and up uh, but Bill Bender will join us here today we'll get the latest uh, from Bill uh, what he's hearing college football wise 1040 well today's Wednesday that means David Kaplan is a part of the program Centurion Stone of Iowa their showroom is back open uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa if you're in the market for new or manufactured stone over 200 varieties and and colors for a project that you may have been putting off. Centurion Stone of Iowa, two enthusiastic thumbs up. Highly recommend that make them a stop. We believe that you'll be glad that you did. Cappy at 1040 on baseball on the uh, long gone summer, which by the way, Trent, see the numbers? Worst numbers of 2020 for a 30 for 30. I'm surprised. What is it? Is it the steroids? No. What is it? The people? Baseball? Oh, big picture. Yeah. Okay. It's not being painted in a very good light. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, yeah, I'm bringing Bruce. More people watch Bruce Lee. That would shock me. Shocked me. Uh, more people watch Lance Armstrong, which shocked me because he's not very well liked. Right, right. But at least he was saying something that we didn't know. And True. Some of the reviews that came out beforehand, some people that got the screeners of it said about Long Gone Summer, you're not going to learn anything new. Mm-hmm. Really didn't. There are a couple of pieces in there. But yeah, I, I think a lot of people, too, were just disappointed the way that the documentary was put together. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, yeah, there's just this little thing and then just a little uh, PEDs and a, no big deal. Right. And the splicing in current Wrigley Field with 1998 <laughs> right. Wrigley Field, I mean, it's not even close. <laughs> right. You know, what I learned, maybe as big a takeaway, when you said that, I tried to think of something that I learned, and the first thing that popped in my head, and we talked about it on Monday, Mike Shannon's um, relationship with Roger Maris, right, yeah. uh, the uh, voice of the Cardinals, one of the voices of the I didn't know that, I had no idea, but yeah, uh, other than the you know, the focus of the story, Maguire and Sosa, yeah, fair point, but I was surprised. Uh, anyways, Cappy was part of it, and he'll join us at 1040. Well, i uh, got a lot of ground to cover with Cappy. It's a good piece. Uh, we taped Cappy. If you're new to the program, first of all, welcome and thank you for giving us a try. Uh, and uh, Cappy is on the air right now in Chicago, so Trent and I get in here at 8.35, and we tape Cappy prior to his 9 o'clock show. It is uh, Wednesday, and we have yet to do a team of the day as we take try to take a look at two of these teams. Uh, go back in the state of Iowa twice weekly as we get through the non-sports uh, era of our lifetimes. Uh, but we go back, and this week, Roshan Corporation, the 2016-17 Iowa State men's basketball program, and what a graduation class of Cyclones. Yeah, that group before, you look at what they've done since then, mm-hmm. what they, the success that they've had at the professional level. And uh, thinking back at this team, as I was looking and remembering back, not real long ago, just four years ago, but you know, kind of going through those se- that season, and 
how much they struggled towards the middle portion of the year. They were, what, 13-8, and eight, I think, at one point of the year. Got hot at the end of the season, won another Big 12 mm. title, the third in the last four years. How about that? Three Big 12 titles for that group yeah. of four uh, that went through in that senior class, including the guys that were there all four years for it, Matt Thomas. And, uh, well, Naz Mitru Long had the redshirt year in there, and Monte Morris. Uh, but, you know, go, going back and looking at that team, still kind of a what-if. They lose to Purdue in the round of 32, and I remember before that game feeling incredibly confident that Iowa State was going to win Did that game. Did you back them? Oh, yeah. Hey, I backed them in a big way. That was probably one of more, my more substantial bets mm. that I remember of that NCAA How many tournament. points were you giving? It was tight. Was I think it? it was two and a half, three, you know, something okay. in that range. I just thought they were a lot better than Purdue. Yeah. It was Biggie Swanigan, and eh, mm-hmm. they're okay. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And, and I loved Iowa State in that spot. Of course, came up empty as, well, we talk about a lot, happens a lot in my betting days. But it's uh, a team, as there's been a lot of these teams, you know, we talked about the Niang team when he broke his foot during his sophomore campaign. What could have been as they lost to UConn, who goes on to win the national title. We've gone back to the 99 team, 99-2000 team, and against Michigan State. What could have been? Boy, there's a lot of those with Iowa State. There's so many of those. Mm-hmm. What is? Even last week we did football. We're talking about a team. Three overtime games. Three overtime Lost games. Lost every one of them. And had a great chance to go to the Big 12 championship game mm-hmm. and go Probably even worked out well that they didn't. Well, well right, yeah. They, that they was a good got, Texas team. They but it wasn't 70 to, what was it, 70 to 7? 70 to 3. 70 to 3. That's what Colorado got beat by. Oof. Still probably so would what, have been 49-14. Oh, I was trying to think, what game was 70 to 7? Didn't Baylor, wasn't there a Baylor-Iowa State game that got crazy number? I don't I think there was. Anyways, uh, that's not one of the teams that will be in the spotlight. But today it's the 2016-17 Iowa State basketball team. And then we're going to follow it up with uh, an an Iowa State reporter that we're going to speak with for the first time. Michael Swain uh, is his name. He's taken Alex Halstead's spot uh, at 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Most recently he was with 247, but covering the Jayhawks of Kansas. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's on the ground now here in, uh, in central Iowa. And, you know, some shoes to fill because yes. Alex did a really nice job elevating uh, Cyclone Alert and making the 24-7 sports a, you know, having an impact, I think, uh, in that uh, website landscape. I mean, look, Fanatic is huge mm-hmm. and yeah. is the 800-pound gorilla and always will be. Uh, but Alex Halstead really built this based on, I think... Recruiting in a lot of ways. No oh, doubt. Look, the kid was there all the time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he hustled. Uh, and we'll look forward to see Michael Swain, what he's able to do with this site, because it was going in the right direction when Halstead walked away. Oh, there's no doubt. Alex did such a great job in, in building the base and you know, kind of talking about him a little bit about the business side of it and getting that subscriber number up, because that's a part of the pay model. If mm-hmm. you're with rivals 24-7, that's what you need to do is build that model up. He was doing a really good job of that with Iowa State. And you know, though the community is not nearly as big as the Fanatic uh, board is in, in terms of some number of people that are there, number of messages that you had. They had a really good community, Alex always told me, mm-hmm. of people that were involved, the people that would pass along information. It was a, a hidden gem, if you will, yeah. and Alex did a good job of building that up. You mentioned the recruiting side. That's a huge part of it, too. But they got a young guy in there, a go-getter, and mm-hmm. we'll hear from Michael Swain coming up in 11 o'clock I hour. I look forward to doing that at, uh, at like you say, 11.15 or thereabouts, 11.20. Then we're going to go down to Principal Park. Our friend Randy Wayhofer, they've got a double dip of high school baseball today. They've got college all-star games going to be taking place. They've got some plans. You know, during the season, they do the – I talked to, to Randy off-air. 
here. Um, you know, during one of the games, they have Citizen Night. I think it's is it July the 4th? I think it is. Somewhere okay. around there. Citizenship Night, where a lot of uh, immigrants... Um, are sworn in as American citizens, and they do so with the ballpark. Well, there's is that no what they did last year? They've done around, it forever around the Demonios uh, program that they also had. Didn't that also happen? You know what, Trent? I'm not. I think we'll, certain. I remember when we were down there and we uh-huh. were talking about that promotion. I think it went one of the games because what okay. they did three or four of those yep. games where they wore those jerseys. I think it was hand in hand with that event that you're talking about. Well, they're still going to do it this year. Oh, that's which great. is really cool. Yeah. yeah, good for them and and good for those uh, immigrants that uh, have decided to become American citizens and they will be sworn in uh, at Principal Park as they have done for uh, for years over there. So we're going to get into some of the other speculation that there's going to, and this would be really cool if they can pull this off and it's still on the drawing board, according to Randy, um, that once we get through high school baseball, once the college all-stars have played their last games and they're getting ready to go back to school, uh, August is going to be a month where they're going to do some of these kind of off-the-wall things. And one of them that's being spoken about is actually setting up, making the outfield of Principal Park, a restaurant. Oh, really? Yes. Well, you'll be able to get have plenty dinner. of social distancing there. You would think, right? Yeah. And have dinner out in left field or center field. I, I guess that's where they would do it. I would anticipate they would have to do it somewhat close proximity to the club Cub Club, because I'm guessing that's where the food would be prepared, and down the elevator and out onto the field and uh, in your... Um, and you're dining at Principal Park, which would be pretty cool if they pull that off. So Randy Wayhofer, going to join us. I know you spoke uh, volumes of your experience down there on Monday night for Ankeny Centennial versus Roosevelt. Uh, tonight we've got Lincoln versus Dowling, a double dip down there, and it gets underway at 5 o'clock. There's a concession stand uh, open. Parking is free. It's an 8 bucks uh, to get in for that game. But Randy Wayhofer joins us here at 11.35. They're good folks down at the um, uh, down with the iCubs, and we're going to help them uh, through this time as much as we possibly can. So that's on the agenda for the program here today. Mention uh, baseball in tonight where we have the doubleheader with Lincoln and Dowling Catholic there at 5 o'clock. 1 o'clock, there's a game today. Baxter will be uh, playing a game. They'll be uh, taking on Colonesco, so that'll be 1 o'clock as they get started nice. here this afternoon with a little be, baseball. It has to be quite a thrill for these kids to oh, be able yeah. to play Principal Park. I mean, it has to be. You know, we made the state tournament my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. We got to go to Marshalltown. It was a nice ballpark Absolutely, but it's, but, but it's not, not Principal this, Park. Right. And it's just a completely different yeah. level, getting to see the environment, getting to see those dugouts in the mm-hmm. way that it is. And, yeah, for sure. And the big park. There's a couple of shots in the games on Monday night that... Would have been out of pretty much every park in the CIML. Oh, is that a fact? Including one uh, deep into the second game that went high off the wall, hit the plexiglass of the Cub Club. Wow. And uh, Rush and I, who were doing the game together, we were trying to figure out, are there any parks in the CIML that that wouldn't have been a home run at? See, I mean, I, you would know more than I, right, but I'd be right. hard-pressed to say that the... There's a few that are deep in left field, but not yeah. many, and not many that have a wall like that. Like, Roosevelt has a high wall, uh-huh. but it's... Short porch. I mean, right. you, you get it up in the air, Fenway. you're getting it over there. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Need to make it a monster out there at Roosevelt and uh, back behind. But that, that's another part of baseball that just absolutely love how different the dimensions mm-hmm. are. I've told you Des Moines East, so it's their baseball field is settled right over by where Robert Stadium is, and you got the football field there right up the right field line. It can't be more than 220. Because it hits right down right, the line, right into the bleachers, and then you go to center field, and it's like four thirty up to straight <laughs> with center field, just because of the way that the bleachers are set up there and the fence for the football field and those dimensions. And another part that makes baseball great, yeah, 
Well, we got high school. We got this college all-star game at Principal Park, Major League Baseball. Well, I didn't even read anything last night. Did you? I, I just, I get. Uh, what did uh, did I read anything last night? No, I don't think I did. I heard um, there was a minute forty clip on Twitter. Was it um, Buster Olney and uh, one of the other baseball guys, Jason Stark, or something? Might have like been. That. Yeah, yeah, I'll use Jason. I don't know if it was or not, but they're they're down. <laughs> Yeah. They're they're starting to believe that you know what there's not going to be base. We'll see. I'm tired of talking about it, quite frankly. I, I'm the same way. And if you would have told me a month ago that we would still be going through mm-hmm. this back and forth, that they wouldn't July have this figure, made so much sense for so many reasons. There isn't a doubt to, to have it back. Baseball, it goes together. Day. It is a perfect the yeah. way that the calendar broke, and you get yeah. that weekend, July third on a Friday, mm-hmm. the fourth on the Saturday. It was a perfect opportunity for baseball to do it, and as usual, they screw it up. Yeah, they did. Uh, we did see some uh, some the, the COVID news continues. Look, it's 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 still here. Everybody knows that, and I get why that we're 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 trying to uh, get our lives back as normal as possible. This just came over Twitter. Five hundred people work at the Orlando International Airport. Mm-hmm. Pretty big, pretty big airport, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, uh, two hundred and sixty of the five hundred tested positive today. Two hundred over half, over half, over half. Fifteen players at the fifteen Texas Longhorn football players positive. Uh, it's going to be difficult. And the reason I bring that up is because uh, Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com is reporting here today. At least that's where I first saw it. If somebody else uh, was first, then hats off to them. But Florio believes that, well, let me, I'll just put it this way. Uh, who are the favorites to take over the Monday Night Football booth? Well, I saw a report yesterday if there's no college football. Same report. It's going to be Fowler. Yeah. And Herb Street. And Herb Street yep. together in that Do you booth. like that uh, on the surface? Oh, if there's no college football, sure, because I love yeah. those guys and I love their broadcasts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm in. Mm-hmm. See, I was change is difficult, right? It we, is. Nobody likes change. And I was kicking and screaming, why are they getting rid of Musburger? You know, maybe I got a, a um, you know a little bit of a bias toward the older folks getting kicked <laughs> out. <laughs> it's coming. I know it. Um but but I loved Musburger and Herb Street. I thought they were a really good team. Mm-hmm. And I thought Chris Fowler was better being Reese Davis. Uh, Reese Davis, right? Yeah, yeah. But Fowler's good. He is good. Fowler is good. Fowler and Herb Street, they've clearly grown on me, uh, as I think they have a lot of people. But if there's no college football, you take the Saturday primetime crew and move them over to Monday night. So would that be just for one year? I would guess so. Yeah, I'm sure that's the way that it would play out until Peyton Manning finally says, "Okay, I'm ready now." <laughs> Is that just the, the I continued think waiting, wait, Trent? Waiting them out, waiting mm-hmm. them out, hoping for the best. They were going to make a big run at Romo. Oh, you know what? We never talked about this when when Drew Brees uh, got got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember? And I'd forgot all about this little tentacle of the story. He's already been signed by. Is who signed him? Is it NBC? Somebody signed I think it was him. NBC, yeah. And he was, was it he was going to take Collinsworth's spot. Yeah, he was the heir You're apparent right. to Collinsworth right. when he would hang it up yep. and do studio work, do some other things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, NBC, is that off the well, table that's now? that's my question. Yeah. I mean, because I figured at, that would happen with cancel culture. It would happen very quickly sure. after the comments. Well, look at the, the night that he said that. I mean, this is the most popular guy in New Orleans by a mile. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, those two letters, um, Drew Brees. Yeah. Right? Um, 
you know what they are. I'm not going to say what they are, but you know they they turned on they canceled Drew Brees very quickly. You just wonder if that NBC uh, futures deal, if you want to call it that, uh, is still on the table or not. But um, anyway, so last thing, and I don't know. I should have asked you this before the show started, and I apologize for not doing so because uh, it won't be much of a segment if you didn't. Did you read the Sports Illustrated piece on the Kid Reporter? No, I did not. Oh my God, good one, huh? Oh, it really and truly is. I mean, this guy. His father, it's Father's Day weekend, and maybe that's why the piece was posted or was written this week. <laughs> I'm not going to start. I'm, you know, just read it. Okay, okay. It's, it's pretty good. All right. I mean, I'm in. I'm what in. A, what a childhood this kid was able to uh, uh, experience because of the some of the um, the way his old man... <laughs> Read it. Okay. Read it. All right. Bill Bender coming up uh, from the Sporting News. We'll talk to Bill Bender. Look forward to our conversation as we always do with Bill. We'll go around college football with him. David Kaplan coming up at 1040. Uh, lots of, we covered a lot of ground with Cappy here. Um, we will hear that at 1040. Our team of the day, Roshan Corporation sponsors. It is the 2016-17 Iowa State uh, basketball program, men's basketball program. Uh, Michael Swain from 24-7 Sports. The new guy on the block at Cyclone Alert. And then Randy Wayhofer from the Iowa Cubs. That is the BM Des Moines, BMW of Des Moines guest list rundown. Trent and I are with you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. 6.3 FM. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. Let me correct something I said. 15 Longhorns in quarantine. Six positive cases. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News joins the program as we talk college football with our friend uh, Bill Bender. Uh, Bill, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. Bill Bender, uh, good to speak with you. How's things? Well, we're hanging in there, yeah. You know, one day at a time here and, you know, getting, trying to keep those COVID numbers down and being closer to maybe what we could have. College football season. I'm anti there, Ken. I mean, he's not. me both. I mean, these increased cases and, and those kind of things that make me a little bit anxious. Yep, I'm with you, Bill, but I'm uh, going to think positive and hopefully that uh, we will have it. I know everybody wants to see it. Uh, we, we shall see. So let's get into, from your perspective, Bill, we had uh, a couple of coaches uh, had really bad weeks, a couple of programs, obviously Kirk Ferentz in his program at Iowa, and then Mike Gundy uh, at Oklahoma State, and you know, Chubba Hubbard, and uh, when, when he came out and, and tweeted what he tweeted, and boy, that thing just ignited and ignited very quickly. From your perspective, Bill, uh, when when you think about what has gone on at Iowa, when you think about what has gone on at Oklahoma State, uh, we assume that there's going to be more uh, schools that uh, find themselves in a similar spotlight. Uh, do you think that this is going to kickstart change within the um, college football programs across the country? I think it, it it'll change the power structure a little bit. You know, for me, it's the the coach has been this singular dictatorial figure in a lot of cases and i'm not saying that uh Gundy or sweeney are, are these guys but I, I think the players have an increased voice whether it's through social media uh through their locker rooms and those kind of things and it, that disconnect needs to be bridged um iowa obviously went through an unfortunate incident with their strength and, and conditioning coach and or series of incidents i guess and 
it's going to force the program, the coach, the fans to take a hard look at what they really want. I know you guys are right at the center of it, and there there's a lot of tradition to college football, but to me, it signals the need for a cultural shift in some ways. I think that's the best best way to look at it. Separation agreement uh, announced on Monday. There was the Gary Barta press conference on the national level. You are in Big Ten territory, but you certainly take that all-encompassing view. How easy is it going to be? Maybe easy isn't the correct term, but when people look upon the Iowa program, when people take those snapshot views, what do you believe is going to be the thoughts about what Iowa football is going forward? Well, you know, I mean, from a traditional standpoint, when you've had two coaches since the 70s, it makes it tough. I mean, there's a lot of things that Kirk Ferentz has done that has been good for Iowa. You've built a steady program that produces NFL players, quality student-athletes, a program that was able to win 10 games, and he's been there for more than 20 years. Now, at the same time, when these allegations come up, you have to make sure that the entire roster is being accounted for, that those things don't happen, that... um. You know, the, the racial tensions that can happen on a football team have to be bridged in a lot of ways. I think Oklahoma State came more of a lightning rod to me just me because, um, you know, I've been saying all week, I, I had to go Google what OAN was. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know. But that's not my job to know. That is my Gundy's job to know that, especially with a locker room full of African-American players. You have to be more attentive to their voices. I would say. And I think that's what's going to happen there. And if it doesn't, I mean, he won't be the head coach there very much longer. Uh, Bill Bender is our guest from the Sporting News, which leads me to my next question, Bill. And you ranked, as you, as you do uh, most years, the Big Ten coaches. You go around college football. You know, when you, when you look at the Big Ten, you know what jumped out to me looking at the list of the 14 coaches? I'm not sure there's a hot seat amongst the 14. I mean, obviously, you know, Ferentz for for other reasons. Uh, I mean, his seat isn't hot. Don't get. Don't, I, I truly don't believe it is. Now that doesn't mean he's going to, you know, be there in 2021. And if he isn't, I believe that you know, he will pull the parachute himself. But uh, is there a hot seat in the Big Ten that you can think of off the top of your head? I mean, is Harbaugh's seat finally getting a little bit warm? Um, Frost maybe at Nebraska if there's not a bowl trip there this year, assuming there's bowls. Who's whose seat's hot in the Big Ten? I don't mean, anybody has a hot seat so much as there's pressure on certain coaches. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, obviously, with the 0-5 against Ohio State. Scott Frost, yeah, they probably need to get to a bowl game, especially they need to see some progression that Minnesota saw with P.J. Fleck in year three. Mm-hmm. And Lovey showed some signs last, last year of some bite at Illinois. I mean, that's the thing with the Big Ten West. Every program, with the exception of maybe Nebraska, has made some progress over the last couple seasons. Now, Northwestern, it's a little bit different because it, they went from Big Ten West champions to an offense that couldn't put a touchdown on the board. Right. So I think all of those things are at work there. And then, you know, like I said, in the East, I think it's a Big Ten-wide program, Ken, we've talked about, where you know when Ohio State kind of looms over the entire conference, mm-hmm. it's a problem for everybody, not just Michigan. You know, a couple of teams I want to get your perspective on as we look forward to the season. One is Purdue. Returns a lot of starters. Had injuries all over the place, including, of course, Rondale Moore a year ago. That wide receiver group should be mm. excellent. Them, a chance to not get to 7-5 and five in another bowl game, but really ascend up there in the Like standings. a Minnesota? Yeah, like a Minnesota. Kind of that breakthrough, a 10-2 and two type season. Do you see that being a possibility? And the other one in that state is Indiana. I feel like they continue to make ground. It's so difficult in that division. But the two teams from the state of Indiana. 
Well, I mean, if you look at our one to one thirty coach rankings, I mean, when's the last time Purdue and Indiana had top fifty coaches <laughs> yeah. at the same time? Yep. Yeah. I mean, never. Yeah. In basketball, maybe uh, they may not have top fifty coaches in basketball with both of them. No, I think they are. Yeah, they are. Painter and Painter and Miller are. But yeah. point being, Indiana, yeah, they face all those hurdles where you know they automatically go into a season where they have less resources than Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. They pick off one every once in a while, but it's tough to climb the ladder. Uh, Purdue with Jeff Brom, depending on who you ask. He's either brilliant or he's underachieved there. I think last year was a rough year there, and um, they faced those same hurdles. But yeah, when you get if you get a healthy Rondale Moore, maybe some better quarterback play to run his offense. And remember, he stayed there and turned down Louisville, which kind of looks weird now. Yeah, because Scott Satterfield's a hit at Louisville. They're going to continue to get better. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. They uh, they they certainly um, I don't know shocked is right the word surprised maybe uh, surprised a lot of people uh, with their play last year. Bill, the defending national champs. Let me go there with you uh, with LSU. Obviously, um, I mean one of the great stories uh, that we've seen in a long time. He's the first overall pick, and he won a Heisman, and he was unbeaten last year. And of course, talking about Joe Burrow. What do you expect from LSU, the defending champs? Obviously, you know, Alabama's not going anywhere. You wouldn't think in the West. Auburn, I believe, is going to be decent again. Uh, LSU's chances of repeating, what would you say that they are? Um, it's going to be hard. Not just because they lost 14 guys to the NFL or Joe Burrow, who had arguably the single greatest season of all time for a quarterback, but you're counting on Miles Brennan to keep that going in the right direction. And, you know, Auburn's got their quarterback back. Yeah, they do. Texas A&M's got their quarterback back. Alabama doesn't, but it's Alabama. I mean, they're their own planet as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, Ed, you know, if you see our rankings, I put Ed three. Ed can wear that for a year because, you know, he's got a natty. Kirby doesn't. Brian Kelly doesn't. Lincoln Riley doesn't. And he went through two of those guys last year. So it's hard for me to say that Kirby Smart's a better coach than Ed Orgeron when Ed Orgeron made the necessary changes last year schematically to go out and win one and again have have what was basically a cheat code offense it was incredible and to see that team and now see what it's going to look like without burrow and what they're going to look like of course uh without running the ship the offense that they had a year ago and coach o a national champion a couple years ago i think a lot of people would have laughed at you if you would have suggested (laughs) that yet here he is how many teams can win a national championship this year five I, I always say five. <laughs> I, I ever, and you guys know the yes. five. Come on, Trent. You know, yeah. it's, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, yeah. uh, Georgia, and LSU. And LSU is a question mark. So now the question becomes <laughs> who moves in that group? Which school can step up and be that school? Is it Notre Dame with BK? Is it yeah. Oregon with Mario and the recruiting he's done out there and, and got some dudes on that defense, whether it's Thibodeau or Flo or – you know, Penny Sewell's brother is going to play linebacker there. I mean, they, they've recruited well. Um, is it Florida with Mullen? Is it Michigan Oklahoma. with Harbaugh? I mean, these are Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Well, now we now get to the Big 12, and I'm saying it's kind of the same old speech, right? Like yeah, it is. Oklahoma, Texas, you can win, but then when you go line up against SEC lines, mm-hmm. then you win there. And I think Oklahoma, yeah, they're in that conversation too. 
And I'm waiting on Texas like everybody else. I'm not going to say Texas is back on your radio station until they're actually back. <laughs> and I picked them to the playoff last year. You guys know that. Yeah, uh, and I agreed with you, by the way. Uh, I knew you guys were crazy. Yeah, and we both did. <laughs> yeah, did, but not our best moment. Hey, Bill, since you brought up Notre Dame a second ago, where are you on Ian Book? I mean, we saw them. They uh, they had their way with Iowa State in the bowl game. Um I just not sold, and I see him as a guy that's you know on a lot of draft boards. He's okay, don't get me wrong, and maybe it's just when it depends what Saturday I watch him. But I'm not overwhelmed by Ian Book. He's clearly had his moments. But where are you? Well, Notre Dame beats Georgia last year if Ian Book has a better second half, and that's the difference, right? You need that quarterback mm-hmm. that can tilt that's the field point. a little bit in those game-changing situations. I think Ian Book's had a remarkable career from the standpoint that he wins starts. We know that Brian Kelly has tinkered with quarterbacks over the years and, and switched around, and at least he's stuck. But at the same time, you know, where's the, the next level development? And I, when I talk to you guys, I feel like when, when I'm asked about Notre Dame and Michigan, I could just give you the same answer and just change the quarterback. Mm, yeah, good point. Because I feel like Jim Harbaugh faces the same challenge, whether it's Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton this year. I tell people all the time, Shea Patterson lost one home start. Just happened to be the biggest rivalry and by a bunch of points. Yeah, other than that. Yeah, the touchdown to interception makes me look bad for my book uh, take. 34 to 6 last year. Pretty, that's pretty shiny. Bill Brisson, we're out of time as always. Thank you, Bill Bender. Read him at the Sporting News. Sportingnews.com. He's the college football guy, but he branches out, does more than that. Uh, Bill Bender. Thank you, Bill, as always. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks so much. Good to speak with you. Bill Bender uh, on uh, Miller and Condon. All right, we'll come back. Cappy's in the wings. David Kaplan uh, from Chicago. He joins us next. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0110s. For details. Welcome back. Time to get our buddy from Chicago. He's David Kaplan, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago. Of course, if you watch Long Gone Summer, as surprisingly, a few did of the uh, 30 for 30s, one of the lowest rated. Cappy was in it. It had nothing to do with him. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, Cappy joins us, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. Cap, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, David Kaplan. Uh, How did you think uh, that the Long Gone Summer two-hour piece turned out? Uh, lousy. I thought they left so many holes. And great to be with you guys as always. I thought they left so many holes in the story. Like, you just throw in this random Republican presidential debate where George Bush says, uh, the worst mistake you ever made. Well, I was the managing partner in my business life, and I signed off on Sammy Sosa for uh, Harold Baines. Well, let's also not forget that Harold Baines is in the freaking Hall of Fame. (laughs) So... You know, that kind of, really? It made it sound like they traded for you, me, or Trent. And then on top of it, they don't even tell you that the deal he signed off on was to go to the Chicago White Sox. So why would you not sit down with Larry Himes? Hey, man, you traded for this guy twice. Mm -hmm. Why were you the only guy that saw something in him that others didn't? And then he finally became this, you know, big star. So... Yeah, I just thought there were a lot of gaps and a lot of... Like, you show highlights of the Cubs trying to make it think it's 1998, and there's Chris Bryant, and there's video <laughs> right. books. Like, yeah. Just, just yeah, that... Literally- 
poorly done. Yeah, that was one of the big knocks, Cap, is that they uh, spliced in some current footage. You mentioned Chris Bryant. I mean, the ballpark doesn't look like it did back in 1998, yet they were willing to use that. That may be uh, as loud of a criticism as I've heard um, uh, about the piece. My criticism or that? No, just, just just everybody's. The fact that, you know, people are not pleased that, you know, you, would, you you're supposed to be in 1998, that yet you're showing us current Wrigley Field. Right, and you can't tell me you don't have any footage you can get. Your ESPN, I know they've got a library that rivals, you know, the Library of Congress to be able to get something good uh, to put in your documentary. It just, it felt rushed, it felt disjointed. It felt like it was the... And I like Mark McGuire. He's been very good to me in my career. Every time I've asked that guy for something, he's delivered, including uh, when I told you guys a couple years ago, I got to sit with him at Wrigley and do an interview, and he was doing no interviews. And I walked in, I got to the park at like 1 o'clock, and it's not open to the media, but I've been there so long that all the security guys know me, so they just let me come and go as I, you know, as I wanted. And so I stayed away from the Cubs clubhouse because I knew media relations would shut me down. And I walked. I know where the batting cages are now in New Wrigley underneath for the visitors. So I went over there, and there's this guy sitting there eating a sandwich, waiting for some of the hitters to come in and work. And it's Mark McGuire. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, Mark. And he, hey, how you doing? And I said, can I have a second? Yeah, I'm eating my lunch. I'm not really doing any interviews. I said, you don't remember me, do you? And he said, no, should I? I said, yeah, I actually won an award for an interview I did with you in 1998 where you got exceptionally emotional when we talked about your role in young kids' lives and your son, Matt. And he stops. He's like, hold on a second. You weren't bald back then. I said, no, (laughs) I wasn't. And so he shook my hand, and he's totally changed because he was so cautious of the media. He goes, what are you doing here? I said, I need a favor. We're doing this documentary on 98 called Summer of Sammy. I can't very well have that documentary with me, the host of it, and you not in it. I need 10 minutes. He's like, I can't today. I got a hitter's meeting in a couple minutes. I'm just eating my lunch. You be here tomorrow at 2 o'clock. You got me. And he was phenomenal. I mean beyond phenomenal. And so I've always had a warm spot in my heart for Mark McGuire because I've done probably in my career now four interviews with him, and he's been great every time. So I just felt, though, it was the McGuire show with the best supporting actor, Sammy Sosa. Very true. Cap, it was uh, very interesting. This one felt like it could be a lot deeper. You could get a lot more depth and breadth out of it if, if they wanted to. But for all intents and purposes, it was more of a celebration kind of piece. Last 15 minutes, they finally hit on the PEDs and, and everything that went into it. It was just interesting the way that this played out. And I'm sure for a lot of people, that leads to a lot of negativity because we know that 1998, it wasn't all rainbow and sunshines. No, it wasn't. And I had a front row seat for it. And it will always be you know, one of the coolest summers of my career. Um, I fell into, I got in this business and I fell into an era because of when I was born that I got to see and cover the Bulls for all their championships, Michael Jordan for all of his career, the 98 Cubs, the 05 White Sox, the 2016 Cubs. I mean, just all this great stuff that I got to see. Uh, but that summer of 1998, I still remember going out to dinner for my mom's birthday. 
and we are sitting in a restaurant. There's no TVs. It's you know one of those cloth napkin restaurants, as I like to say. <laughs> and everybody's dressed up, and it's just a different time in the world. And you start hearing whispers. There was no iPhones. There was no Twitter. There was no way to get information sitting there. And I'm like, my mom, I got to be at the dinner. But Sammy was playing in Detroit. And this was when he's going to have 20 home runs in the month. And all of a sudden, people are going table to table here. He just hit another one. Mm. I'm like, oh, my God. Like you, That wasn't the way baseball is today. Mm-mm. But that's the way it was that summer. Yeah, we just hope there's baseball today. Uh, David Kaplan is our guest Centurion Stone of Iowa Sponsors. Cap, one more on this. We'll move on. Uh, Sammy Sosa, you're right. He was a best supporting actor. But it has provided him an opportunity uh, to go public. I know you had him on your TV show. Uh, he's done a, new, a number of uh, uh, of interviews uh, leading up to and then subsequently after it came out. Uh, there's, there's no denying he wants uh, this relationship to be mended. He wants his day at Wrigley Field, and I believe uh, the that uh, Cubs fans want to be there when he has his day at Wrigley Field. Will he get it? Uh, I think eventually. Look, th- this buys the Ricketts some time time uh, to figure this out because of the pandemic. There's not going to be any fans. Right. And so they're not going to do a day to honor Sammy Sosa and not have any fans there. But I talked to someone at Wrigley, and they said, you know, look, if this is what the fans want, I think they're going to pull all their season ticket holders and see if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, I I think my Twitter feed, as much as anyone in this city, speaks for Cubs Nation because people followed me for Cubs information because I've been doing the pre and post since 1995. So I put out that question, and there were about 18,000 votes last week, and 85% want Sammy to come back. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to retire his jersey. That doesn't mean they're going to create a Cubs Hall of Fame doesn't mean there's going to be a statue outside the park. But let's baby steps here. Let's welcome him back. And I said to Sammy when I interviewed him on TV the other day, I don't know if you saw it, and I said, look, let people boo. If 98% want to cheer you and 2% want to loudly boo you, okay, that's their right. But you deserve to walk back into that stadium where you, look, how many tens of thousands of people, if they're really honest, are Cubs fans today because they watched Sammy Sosa in 1998. Doesn't mean that they agreed with everything he did, but the Ricketts are still profiting off that guy today because of so many thousands of people. So we got to watch that guy. Well, a lot of people want to watch Rizzo and Bryant (laughs) and on and on and on, but we don't know if that's going to be the case. What just an awful look on both sides here over the weekend cap. Uh, The players come out, say, tell us when, and the owners, whoa, 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 uh, well, we got to figure this thing out. Major League Baseball, it's just looking worse and worse day after day. Yeah, it looks horrible because they've got the worst commissioner of any commissioner in any professional sport that I cover, and he's a labor lawyer. He's not a guy that loves baseball because a guy that truly, he could tell you all he wants, oh, I love baseball. He loves baseball because of the size of the paycheck he gets and because he has this powerful position. But anyone who tells you they love baseball and then says, I don't understand why people want me to strip the Astros of the championship, it's just a piece of metal. Yeah, right. That was what he said. I know. His words, not mine, that's not a paraphrase, that's a direct quote. And he knows 
that he screwed up on the Astros thing because I had someone of note who works very closely with him say, yeah, he realizes now he just doesn't feel like he can go back and re-adjudicate the Astros thing. He doesn't get it, and he's an awful orator. I'm not telling you he's not a smart man. To get to that level, you've got to be a brilliant guy. But he doesn't understand baseball is a public trust, and that when John or Jane Q. Public come home after making $38,000 going, all right, the kids want to go out and do this. Where are we going to come up with We'll cut something else out of the budget. But we got the baseball game on. Turn the TV on. The Cubs are playing. And you got owners saying, oh, I don't want to play. They're billionaires. This is this to many of these guys, they buy a baseball team because they love the game, but it is a line on a balance sheet for all their holdings. You can't treat baseball like that. Indeed you can't. Uh, David Kaplan is our guest. Cap, a couple more minutes, we'll let you go. Uh, It seems you in Chicago, me here in Des Moines, are the only two that are willing to die on the Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback in week one for the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm more convinced uh, today, Cap. I know I was just reading an interview. He's a confident kid. I still believe he's going to win this job, that Nick Foles is going to be wearing a ball cap and holding a clipboard. Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter week one. There's not a lot of us Capital are more of a starting to jump on the Mitch's the starting QB bandwagon in the city of Chicago. Uh, no, because look, let's rewind to 2014. And if I could go back, and I don't want to take the time to search Twitter, I would guarantee you 87 percent of Cubs fans said Javi Baez stinks. <laughs> He's a bust. Get rid of him. All this guy does is strike out. He's out of control, and here they are now, and he's like this untouchable, and he is, superstar who was second in the MVP. And if I had said at the end of 2014, you could trade Javi Baez for X, done, most people would have said, do that. It's like when you recruit a player, and he's a freshman, and he's just getting his legs under him, and you go, boy, that guy was amazing in high school. How did we miss on that? And then as a sophomore, he's a little bit better, and then... He gets a girlfriend, and he joins a fraternity, and his junior year, he's awful. You're like, oh, my God, this guy's horrible. And then he has a come-to-Jesus meeting with his coaches and himself, and he's like, I'm better than this. And senior year, you're like, that's the guy we were waiting to see. That guy's amazing, and he's all-conference. You have this great season. That's where Mitchell Trubisky is. He was this raw colt. He started 13 games. He's got an amazing work ethic. His teammates love him, love him. So, did he have a good year last year? No, 98% of the season he was not good. But they also had a bad job calling plays. They had a bad running game. They had an awful offensive line. They had no tight end. Like, there were a lot of reasons that that team was 8-8 eight and eight and lucky, lucky to be 8-8. Eight and eight. So, I truly believe he's going to be the starter. And if he doesn't, Nick Foles wins the job. God bless Nick Foles, and we'll cheer for him as Bears fans. But don't write Mitch off yet. And, by the way, maybe you and me. Jeff Saturday just came out, so this is Mitchell Trubisky's job to lose. I think that kid's going to win the job. I'm a beaten down Bears fan. They can go six and ten with either of them, and, and that's how I see it coming up this season. Hey, last thing for me, we were finishing up our conversation last week, mentioning the MLB draft that was happening, and you talked about this young kid from right there in the Chicagoland area, Ed Howard, and the Cubs take him at sixteen. Sound like quite a bit of buzz there with that selection. 
Yeah, and Theo said he's maybe the most mature high school player he ever drafted. And he drafted some mature kids now. Uh, Let's not forget he drafted Anthony Rizzo as a high school player. He drafted, I believe, Michael Kopech as a high school player. That may have been after Theo left, actually. But he's drafted a bunch of really good players. Uh, I interviewed Ed Howard last week and went, wow, that kid's something else. He, there's no, um... You know, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, I'm just glad. None of that. It was very direct, very honest answers. He feels the role to be the face of this franchise that someday is on his shoulders, and he's ready to do that. So I'm excited to see where it goes. He's 18 years old. People need to just let him do his deal. He probably won't be here till he's 21 or 22. But that's the beauty of the baseball draft. You can start to develop these guys the way you want them. Cap, 30 seconds on this. You put a poll up on your Twitter feed. Tom Thibodeau, would you vote yay or nay for him coming back? I actually voted because I wanted to see the result. Two out of three people would love to have him. You didn't think that was going to happen. Are you getting some, is there some intel that maybe Tibbs to the Bulls uh, is a thing that could happen here this summer? Uh, I would be surprised. Okay. Just the way it ended, I would be surprised. Now, he has a good relationship with our tourist, Ernest Chovis. But, uh, uh, look, I would love to have Tibbs back. I spoke to him yesterday. I love the guy. He's a good friend. And he'll be a good friend whether he's coaching the Knicks, doing TV on ESPN, or coaching the Bulls. Uh, but he is a phenomenal basketball coach. Now, if you're the Bulls, you cannot, under any circumstance, Bring Jim Boylan back. I don't care if he says to you, I know I'm making a million five. I'll tell you what, I'll pay you a million five for me to go to the team. You cannot, because if you bring him back, and I'm going to say this on the radio today, what you've done is undone all the goodwill that you got from the hire of our tourists and Mark Eversley and all the guys that they brought in with him, because it'll look like, sure, but John Paxson and the Reinsdorf made them keep Jim Boylan, A, because they're calling the shots, really, or B, that they don't want to pay off another coach. And he makes the lowest salary in the league or second lowest. So the money is not an issue. I'm telling you, there's no shot he's coming back. Now, would I hire Tibbs? I would. Because if you hire an assistant, Emmy Udoka is who I think it's going to be, uh, Adrian Griffin, whoever else. Whoever you hire, if they haven't proven they can win, then you're rolling the dice. And if that guy fails, now you got to fire another coach. Tom Thibodeau is going to win. I'm just telling you. He's going to get the most out of your team. Can they bury the hatchet? Time will tell. Cap, your show starts in seven minutes. Get after it. Thank you, buddy. Guys, be good. See you. Good, good to talk to you. David Kaplan. Joining us from Chicago, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. Showrooms are now open. Appointments are encouraged. Showroom hours, Monday through Friday from 8 until 5. Starting on July the 11th, the Saturday showroom hours are going to be back on the calendar. That's from 8 until noon. Again, appointments, if you want to go by Centurion Stone, uh, they are encouraged. And why would you go by Centurion Stone? Well, let me help you out. If you're in the market for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project, of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa, variety of styles, patterns and colors for your every need. In fact, over 200 and growing color and pattern combinations. Justin Luch, Joe Farron, Centurion Stone sponsors Cappy on a weekly basis. All right, we're running out of the first hour of the program, Trent Condon. Mm-hmm.
Uh, six and ten with Trubisky. Six and tens with Foles. It doesn't matter. Speaking, spoken like a true Bears fan. Uh. Now, I meant to ask Cap about Kyle Long, uh, who's come out the last couple of days, and you know, I thought he was done with the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seemed to be at peace, but is you know June gets closer to July in that training camp. Uh, that's been planted in the, the back of their minds for years uh, starts to become more of reality. They get that itch a little bit. Kyle Long, I don't think he's going to be a bear. Did When you watched him, I mean, the last year he was injured all the time. But he does was. he have anything left? Oh, I think so. I, I think a chance to rejuvenate. And we've seen this late in careers, even offensive linemen that have been able to, to get that health and, and be able to put it all together and a fresh start. This is an organization that, frankly, is awful. I mean, you look at year after year, and you can go back to 1985, and it's still celebrated, but this is not a well-run organization. This has not been a well-run organization mm-hmm. for a very long time. Getting out, getting into a spot that does do things right, that does find a way. Seattle's had a lot of talk about what they've done in terms of their strength and conditioning programs and getting guys later in their career that have been able to bounce back or guys that people didn't anticipate had left. So I think there can be, absolutely, because talent, dude still has a lot of talent. He, he's always been a talented guy. Yeah, I, I've been a fan. I liked his brother Chris and, of course, mm-hmm. Pops in the Hall of Fame and now on uh, the Fox set on uh, Sundays. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, 11 o'clock hour. Thank you again to Cappy and to Centurion Stone of Iowa. Good hit with Cap. One more hour to go here on a Wednesday. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.